0: Thank you, folks. Appreciate that much. Matthew chapter 23, if you join me there, Matthew chapter 23, we'd love for you to grab your Bible. Obviously, a few Bible is available. Matthew chapter 23, as we mentioned this morning, it is a continuation of this morning's message, and I know some of you weren't here, and uh, so we'll catch you up to speed quickly and uh, kind of pick up, and we want to draw a few more things from this passage. been very instructive already today as we've studied it and looked at it, but in Matthew chapter 23, we're going to pick up in verse 25, and so we're not going to waste any time. Let's read the passage. Kind of remind ourselves a little bit of what we discussed this morning and and understanding what Christ was teaching principle-wise to those Pharisees and the scribes here before us and certainly teaching to us too. Verse 25 of Matthew chapter 23 makes this statement, Woe unto you, Christ's words, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside. Of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are likened to whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, uh, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Verse 28 Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. What we have derived already from this passage is a challenge for us to say, okay, well what ought to be my decoration, my adornment as a believer? Is it just about the outside? Is it just about uh, kind of the the fulfillment of uh, commands of Scripture, obedience to different things? Is is that really uh, ought to be my primary focus or ought to to be what we found in 1 Peter here, chapter 3, verse 4? But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament, uh, the decoration, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of of great price. We mentioned this morning, verse number 3, he talks about the adorn. Context about wives, not focusing so much on the outside adornment, but the inward adornment. And so it's a great principle for all of us. In fact, we would say the passage in Matthew chapter 23 is saying much the same thing to a broader audience. And so it is. We derive derived several things here. Okay? First of all, we understood, well, wait a minute, these Pharisees and scribes had a wrong motive. As they went about and they looked great on the outside, they had what we would call Christian duties all down. And if you were to look at them, they were the, the, the preeminent church attenders there. They were the one who seemed to have the Christian life down. Uh, but verse 5, Christ identifies that their motive was wrong, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. We came to this reality that we needed to ask ourselves two questions. First of all is this, Am I caring today what other people think about me more so than what God knows about me? Is that more my consideration? Is that more the the motive for why I do what I do? Then if we (laughs) say and offer, hey, pastor, I don't really care what people think of me. Here's a great question for you then, friend. Am I valuing what I think of myself, I should say, or what I think myself to be, more so than what God knows me to be? My own view of self. Do I value myself? And and certainly we know the Pharisees, if anybody walked around with a puffed up chest, it was them, (laughs) if anybody could bust some buttons, they would be down. They they thought highly of themselves. They valued themselves greatly. Then secondly, we began delving into this fact of the wrong tools. In other words, uh, some things that were good, the Mosaic law, the tithing, and so forth, as we've seen in this passage, eating tithing of their herbs and spices and so forth, they they used the wrong tools. They used these outward compliance to commands of God, and they thought that was it. That was the whole focus. That was the point. And what we observed was they had outward compliance without inward content. God in heaven is most concerned about your heart, and as I shared this morning, I think verse twenty six is probably the most um, insightful verse. Because he says what? You you take care of that which was within the cup and the platter, the outside of the, or excuse me, let me back up, that which is within the outcome, the outside uh, of the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. It follows suit. You take care of the inside. The heart is right, and it's good with God and so forth, and you make that the focus of that hidden man of the heart as the place of adornment, the place of decoration. Boy, the outside is going to take care of itself. It's going to flow, that desire and so forth. And we understood they used the wrong tools and uh, obedience to the law and so forth. And there were some tools that we needed to grab and take hold of. The first was this, to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. To listen to Him, to learn of Him, and, and to allow Him to be the one who leads us and guides us. He is our guide, He is our guard, He is the ground by which the best fruit in our lives are produced, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Second, we said this, you have to never forget that the Word of God is, is the thing that renews our mind and renovates our heart. It's God's Word that is primarily the tool for you and I producing within ourselves the hidden man, the adornment of that, that meek and spirit and so forth. Number three, we solve this. The fact is we need to have a surrendered and submissive heart. And the last point we made uh, pertaining to this was you really need to have a submitted and surrendered heart to God in all things to be able to use the Word of God effectively. If your heart is not surrendered and submitted to God and his authority, uh, you're not going to see the power or the full extent of the power of the word of God displayed in your life. You may have a modicum of of holiness. You may have some of the outside things together. But uh, my friend, um, as the scripture says, you know, there'll be many people who live in such a way that have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And so it is. When we don't have a surrendered and submitted heart to God, uh, we don't wield the Word of God uh, as effective as it needs to be done in our lives and so forth. The last thing we saw was this, and we didn't have time to expound upon. And this is what we'll pick up tonight. The fourth tool we need to grab, and so that you and I have proper decoration, right focus of the heart first, and then the outside is a heart that loves God above all else and is devoted to Him more than anything else. I think this is so important and greatly insightful as to Christ interactions with the Pharisees and what he's trying to teach. In the previous chapter, Jesus Christ begins to expose that these men loved themselves, uh, the accolades of mankind, their fellow men, more than they loved God. We read about it in chapter 22. Look at verse 34 with me. Matthew chapter 22, look at verse 34. Notice it. And when the multitude, excuse me, verse 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, "'Master, which is the great commandment in the law?' Jesus said unto him, "'Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart "'and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind.'" This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Great statement. See, the outward adornment of loving your neighbor as yourself is going to be the byproduct of inward love and devotion to God. Now, here's what's interesting. What does Luke record for us takes place after this? This is, to me, amazing, and it's very insightful. Here's what happens. Luke says this. As soon as Jesus Christ said this, you remember the question that the lawyer came up with and maybe some other Pharisees and so forth. But he looked at Christ and says this. Who is my Good. Who is my neighbor? Right? Who is my neighbor? Now you say, what's so big about that? Well, then after that follows the story of the Good Samaritan and so forth. Okay, so Pastor Henry, what's the big deal about them asking who is my neighbor? I would submit to you, it's this. Do you realize what they just did in that statement? What the lawyer just did? What he did was uh, do something what we would put in common vernacular. He just put the proverbial cart before the horse. Do you see what he didn't ask? He didn't ask, hey, man, how... What is the degree and the depth of my love for God? He didn't take the first commandment that God said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind. He didn't take that and use it as an evaluation of his own heart. What did he do? Well, he took uh, the external compliance and wanted to use that as the evaluation. He wanted to use that as the means to say, okay, am I a good Christian? Am I not a good Christian? Who is my neighbor? Let me form the checklist. Let me make sure that that I'm doing everything up to what I think would be the uh, evaluation of a good Christian. You see, he should have been asking, do I really have the kind of heart that loves God to that degree? Do I really love God that much? If, as God says, these are the most important commandments, and God himself starts with, love the Lord your God with all thy heart and soul and mind, other places with all your might. Christ has certainly taught up to this point and even afterwards that you've got to love God more than anything else. And certainly it's inherent and implied to this statement before us. He should have been asking, am I devoted to God above everything else, including myself, my own pride, my own uh, self-PR, my own self-promotion? Am I more devoted? But he ran right past that. He picked up the wrong tool, and he thought to himself this, well, if I treat my neighbor okay, then I'm a great Christian. He jumped right to the outward expression of something that should be inward. There was no content. There was no substance. And he just jumped to the reality of, okay, if I just focus on treating my neighbor. Can I submit to you, Christian? The number one thing you and I need to focus on in our hearts is this. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. Yes, the second commandment is likened to it. Yes. But I'll tell you, my friend, when you do the first commandment, it makes it that much easy to see this come to pass in your life. Loving your neighbor as yourself. This Pharisee didn't get it and picked up the wrong tool. God taught this principle a long time ago and many other passages. First John chapter 5, and verse 3, he said this, For this is the love of God. Literally, when the love of God is in you, when, when you possess love for God, we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. See, start with the love of God, and then everything else is easy. Taking care of the outside decoration or adornment of a holy, set-apart Christian will fall into place when you and I love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind. He said in verse 26, these things, the outside is going to take care of itself. It's going to happen also. Look at your heart this evening, friend, believer, believer you could have the christian life all together on the outside but reality is your heart is defiled it's uh, it's filled with iniquity it's uh, there's issues problems and it's void of love and devotion to god your outward compliance and christian decorations could simply be a byproduct of the wrong motives and the wrong tools it's really what is getting at isn't it he's challenging them hey it's got to come from the heart if you're doing going through the christian duties and the outward checklist and what we would consider those things that are the fulfillment of obedience to god's law if that is your focus alone and and you don't do it out of love for god man you know what this verse says they will be grievous they will Reading your Bible and praying and and playing the part, being that hypocrite, will be difficult, hard, grievous. But if you have the love of God in your heart, my friend, they are not grievous, They're not burdensome. You've started with the right foundation. You've incorporated the right motive and the right tools. You've focused on His Word and being led by the Holy Spirit. You have a surrendered and submitted heart to God and His authority in your life, and you are devoted to Him above everything else. Because the fact is, if you do it any other way, if you focus on just the external, it will fall apart one day. It will amount to nothing. Christ really said that, didn't He? Even in this passage in chapter 22. Did you catch the word He said in verse 40? He said that the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments now think about that for a moment we're, we're coming up as we alluded to in this morning's message with christmas decorations we use the illustration and things like that and you hang up decorations and and you hope that the nail or the screw that you're hanging on is going to hold right you hope it doesn't come falling down we just went through missions conferences uh, myself pastor Aaron, and earl helped us this year pastor tony and past others as we hang the flags down here we have a prayer meeting that they don't fall during a service Not really, but that's a little fear, okay? And I'll tell you, yeah, some of you are looking at the wall right now. What you don't know is that as we are setting it up, the day of, one fell. But I'm not going to tell you which one. Okay, so... (laughs) but you know that's a fear that on the side then they're going to come down here why because all it has to give is one nail one screw i think of these banners here the banners there and in decorations at home you have one screw or whatever thing you have it a, a stick it to the wall kind of thing if that fails then what happens well everything hangs upon it it's holding it all together do you ever realize that in the Christian life, you know what's supposed to hold it all together? Not your hard work, not your grit, not your strength, but your love for God. You love Him with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And that, my friend, is going to hold the Christian life together. It is going to be the superglue like no superglue this earth has ever seen. It will hold the Christian life together. Because why? These two things upon which the Christian life hangs Every other command that you can see in the scripture rests upon these two commands. To love the Lord thy God and to see it the byproduct of loving our neighbor as ourselves is that string, that screw that holds it all together. You see it this evening? You see why Christ was so, boy, intense in this passage. Eight different woes, warnings. You've got to heed this. You've got to listen because pharisee scribe you got it all wrong you got the wrong motives you got the wrong tools you got it all wrong how is it for you this evening christian why do you do what you do is it more for mankind is it more just to put up a facade in the outside so people think you're a great christian when reality is god knows the truth and you only do those things for that motive are you using the wrong tools Do you obey the commands of Scripture simply because, you know, that'll help me look better in front of everyone, Or do you do it because you love God more than anything else? You're devoted to Him above everything else. And when you do that, when you say, okay, I'm going to live the Christian life out of a heart of devotion, a heart of love for God, uh, it produces a real and true adornment. People see you and think, man, that's a real Christian, through and through, when we see on the outside, man, it runs deep. It is on the, in the heart. It just springs forth from their heart. I would submit to you that's what God wants. Every one of us to be such a Christian. I love this next point. I think it's crucial for us as Christians to acknowledge that the longer we are saved at times, and maybe the longer we kind of get comfortable in this world, and even within Christianity, the Christian norms, Uh, This can become a danger. It can be true in our lives. We may not see it. We may not want to admit it's true, but nonetheless, it's there. So what is the other area in which we can fail in our decoration, the focus of our adornment? I would tell you this. I believe sometimes we get in the wrong battle. We get in the wrong battle. We have the wrong motives sometimes. We use the wrong tools, and we even use some of the commands of God, thinking that those are going to be the tools that are, that are going to produce in me uh, to be a, a, a Christian that is pleasing to God, when really it starts with a heart of love and devotion to God. And then we come to this truth. It's a, a wrong battle. What do we know about the Pharisees and the scribes that were in Israel during this time of Christ's life? How did they interact with Jesus Christ, God on earth? Well, may I submit to you, you know it, they fought him. They argued with him. Every chance they got, they were running at Christ, throwing questions at him, trying to tempt him. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. And they send, or they sent unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. They hounded his heels, questioning everything they said. They tried to trip him off, to make him look bad in front of the people. Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. They wanted to fight with him about him and his disciples, even breaking the rules they had added to the Sabbath. They wanted to condemn him for healing on the Sabbath. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him? Fighting him all along the way. They wanted to fight him in the passage we just saw in Matthew 22. Who was their neighbor? Because they didn't want to take care of no Samaritan. Didn't he know who the Samaritans were? They didn't want to hear that. They were fighting him all along the way. Uh, We would put it this way, or at least I would. They were literally wanted to fight over the law of God with the God who gave the law. That's a little ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of ludicrous. They wanted to fight with, with, yeah, well, you didn't mean this when you said that. I mean, they wanted to fight with the God of the law, the one who had given the law, and that's literally what they were doing. Let me illustrate this in a modern sense, and I trust it is an appropriate illustration, and maybe you reach different generations. Listen up, and especially our children and teenagers, let me challenge you on this. Have you ever known of a child or a teenager who constantly fought with his or her parents? kicking back against everything, every rule, every requirement. And and they kind of, anything that was brought up, it became a means of contention. It became an issue all the time, constantly. And boy, the house didn't know any peace. It it just, it seemed like everything was going to be a big issue and everything became something huge. I mean, the parents are trying uh, to do their best. They're trying to do what is best for their child, their teenager, they're help, uh, trying to help them do the right things to reap good things. And all the child or the teenager does is fight with them. Makes everything a fight. They, f- they argue. Everything becomes an argument. Everything they question, they try to even trip up their parents in their own words. They try to find fault with their parents. The mistakes they make. And in their minds, that releases them from the authority uh, that their parents have. Then they come to church. Put on a smile. Everything seems hunky-dory. Everything seems fine. There's, there's no issue. In fact, they'll even go through some of the things of serving and ministering. They'll even do some things there at the church where they appear to be just a, another happy part of the family. They attempt to convince everyone else that all is right with them, God and their parents, in their heart. They go through the motions. They perform the duties that they think will make them look like a good Christian to everyone else. In fact, a teenager, you may be here tonight. You may have us fooled. The reality is that. There may be adults here. If you, you could give a testimony, and you say, you know what? I spent some of my teen years living like that at home it was a wreck i was causing problems and arguing and questioning and doing all these things in reality i'd come to church and i'd put on the front make sure everything looks good may i just submit to you teenager if that's you tonight or in fact if you're looking on your past and that was you you were nothing more or you are nothing more than a rebel and a hypocrite you are if we think that we can fight the authority that god has in our lives and we we can fight against god's authority and through our parents and whoever may be and then we can come and sit here and we can act, put on a good show and make make it look like everything's hunky-dory everything's perfect my friend that's exactly what jesus christ called the pharisees and the scribes on the carpet for wasn't wasn't real what you saw wasn't authentic. There was no heart of devotion and, and love. And I would submit to you that you may look like a clean and got-it-together Christian on the outside teenager, but the reality is you're full inside of iniquity and pride and hypocrisy. Here's the sad part of it. Teenager, listen to me. If that's your attitude tonight and that's what you do at home, you are fighting against the very ones who are here to help you. You are. You're fighting against the very one, your parents, that are looking out for your good, that are trying to do the best. And yes, with their rules and their requirements at home, God has placed them there for your good. In fact, as you live in their home, they are the ones who can do the most good for you right now. And my friend, that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They fought God. They, God was exposing something in Matthew chapter 22. They didn't love him with all their heart and soul and mind. They, they weren't devoted to him. They weren't submitting and surrendered in their heart to him. They were kicking against the pricks in their heart at the words and the presence of Jesus Christ. Here was the word incarnate that they claimed to be devoted to. Uh, he was the, the prophetical fulfillment of everything that they said they held dear. In reality was it exposed Christ's presence, exposed that they weren't devoted to God, they were devoted to their own image of themselves. They were saying, that this was who they were, this is what they loved more than anything. Look at me, I'm pious, I'm awesome, I'm a great, I'm a great follower of God. And Jesus Christ comes and pokes holes in it, points out that their heart is not right. And who do they fight with the entire time for three years of his ministry? Jesus Christ. Who could have helped them the most? Jesus Christ. The very one they fight against. Teenager, I'd encourage you tonight, stop fighting the wrong battle. Wouldn't it have been so much better for the Pharisees to to fight against sin, to fight against the the things that went against God, to to fight against iniquity, and to to fight for the, the, the things that God wanted and desired? No, they decided to fight the wrong battle. They fought Jesus Christ teenager child i would encourage you join your parents in fighting the sin the pride the iniquity in your heart in your flesh surrender and submit to them join them don't fight them and then help them as they desire to see you adorned with the decoration that is fitting a believer parents you're sitting here tonight you say hey amen pastor henry preach it great illustration teenagers need to hear that but what does that really have to do with this aspect and this point of the message? Well, first of all, I tell you this and remind you, God in heaven is our heavenly Father. It's a very similar relationship, isn't it? He's the one that can do the most for us. He, he knows what is best for us. Secondly, may I submit to you this evening that you and I can easily be fighting God on every spiritual front throughout the week. We can come here then wanting to look good and play the part. We can act like everything is hunky-dory spiritually. In reality, we have argued with him throughout the week. We have looked at his commands time and time again. And rather, instead of obedience, we've dismissed several of them as not pertaining unto us. They don't apply to us. We shook off the conviction of the Holy Spirit and yeah, about our words and our actions, our thoughts, our reactions. We dismissed the conviction. We replaced it with excuses. We've even compared ourselves to others, people that are far worse than we are. All the time, God is speaking to us and saying, listen, this needs a change in your heart. This, th- th- You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have acted like that. You shouldn't have done that. And God is speaking. He's trying to work. And, and we are like that teenager. Well, God, you know, that person over there, you haven't dealt with them. But that's not fair because this is And boy, we argue with God, even as a Christian adult. And throughout the week, we do that. Then we come to church, and we, we'll sing in the choir. We'll teach our Sunday school. We'll, we'll get up and minister in some way, and we'll just sit in the pew and act like everything's hunky-dory. Everything's perfectly fine. The whole time, God has poked holes through our living all week. And understand, He is a loving Father. One of my favorite verses that's repeated in the New Testament, found in the Old Testament, one of my favorite truths, principles in the Scriptures is this. Do you realize that God chastens whom He loves? So if God tries to poke holes in how you live and try to expose in my heart and your heart that we are not devoted like we ought to be, we don't love him as much as we should be or should to the degree, uh, it is a good reminder there is a silver lining to that dark cloud. It's a reminder that God chastens whom he loves. And so he'll speak to me, he'll challenge me, but how am I responding to it? You see, too often during the week, we have made excuse after excuse for failures, for outright rebellion in our choices that have transpired in our heart. We try to find loopholes to the commands that He gives. We, uh, things that He said, hey, uh, the, 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 the direction, the guidance, the things that, that He is trying to convict and change about us. We, we find the loopholes, the exceptions and areas, so that we can forego compliance to His Word in the, the way that He wants. And instead, we fulfill our flesh and its desires. You see, the list goes on and on. And the fact is that we, instead of joining him to battle our flesh, our spiritual enemies of our soul and our holy living, we have fought God throughout the week over his commands, his principles, over his authority in our lives, his teaching. We wrestle with God with his right to tell me what to do. And, and my friend, do you realize that that was exactly what was transpiring with the Pharisees and the scribes? they didn't want to admit that jesus christ was the son of god that that he had authority you remember what the people saw the people who 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 didn't you know they weren't like the spiritual elites they weren't like the pharisees and scribes you remember what they said about christ he spoke as one that had authority began to realize wait a minute there's something different he, says he They say he's a prophet of God, that he is soon to be revealed as the Son of God, and there is something about him. And yet the whole time, what are the scribes and the Pharisees refusing to do? Recognize his authority. Submit and surrender. And they fought him all along the way. You know, we can admit God has authority for salvation, but then when it comes to sanctification, holy living, producing a Christian life, sometimes we can kick against the pricks, can't we, Christian? This week, as God put His finger on something in your life, maybe it's something you said, maybe it's something you did, maybe as a thought, errant thought, a sinful thought, how you treated someone, or, or just a comment made of, uh, of gossip or complaint. And, and God spoke our heart, uh, to our hearts. He pricked our hearts. He said, listen, that's not right. You need to correct that. May I tell you, a submitted and surrendered heart will not fight God, but a surrendered and submitted heart will join God. Fighting against the right enemy will fight the right, correct battle. See, my friend, God doesn't want you and I to be a whited sepulcher. He doesn't want us to be a cup and a platter that are clean on the outside but dirty on the inside. I'll submit to you this evening that we can often fail in our daily adornment, our rightful, proper decoration as Christians, because we're fighting the wrong battle day after day after day after day. I ask you, I encourage you this, this evening, stop fighting God, Christian. Join Him have a surrendered submitted heart let the holy spirit lead grab god's word have a heart full of love and devotion to god and my goodness when god comes to speak to us and convict us because all of us need chastening because none of us are perfect and as he comes to us and he desires greater things wouldn't it been neat after chapter 23 at the end of it you know what we read and there was revival that broke out among the pharisees and the scribes wouldn't that been something I mean, I think that would have been fantastic. What would that have shown? Wow, their heart changed from the end of chapter 22 through what Christ said there and all the way through chapter 23. They softened their heart and submitted to God. They heard the warnings. They heard the woes. They listened. Sadly, though, not the case. Not the case. They maintained the wrong motive. They continued handling the wrong tools. Uh, They hear, as we have seen here even now in this passage, the fact is this, um, in that wrong motive and wrong tools, they were fighting the wrong battle. They fought against God instead of fighting with them. Where are you at tonight, Christian? You know, I dare say there's probably a teenager here tonight, there's probably an adult Christian here tonight, that in reality, you know what you need to do? You need to lay down your arms tonight and stop fighting God. You need to say, okay, God, you're, you're right. My life this past week is indicative. Maybe this past month, maybe this past year. I've I, I not been acting and living out of love for you and devotion to you. In reality, I, I've been living for myself. I've been living to uh, impress other people. The only things I do as a Christian, I really do them just so other people think highly. No one will come and talk to me. They won't confront me. And Everybody just thinks I'm a good Christian. Father, I'm, I'm going to stop fighting you tonight. We mentioned it a little bit this morning. You know, reality is this hypocrisy and a fake life is difficult to maintain. A genuine and real authentic life in Christ who's looking to God for power every day. It's one of the easiest things to do. Just yield, have a submitted, surrendered life and join the right side in the battle. Don't fight against God, fight with him. Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, this passage, especially as we've seen some truths this morning and we see some more this evening, and Father, I am grateful and thankful for uh, your leading and directing your Holy Spirit's pricking of our hearts, and Lord, I pray that each person here tonight would be continually sensitive to your spirit, to the word that you have given us, to your guidance and direction in our lives. Lord, I pray tonight that you would Help us to see. Open our eyes. If there is one area, two areas, three areas, maybe even across our lives that we have been fighting against You, fighting the wrong battle. Lord, may we open our heart this evening. May we confess and forsake. And may we come to You as an ally, as Your children wanting You to do some great things in our lives. Father, if there's a teenager or a child here tonight that... In all reality, they live one way at home in disrespect and dishonor and disobedience to their parents, and they try to put up a front here at church. Father, I pray that You would smite their heart tonight. I pray You'd convict. I pray they'd not leave here tonight without making it right. Seeking your forgiveness, seeking the forgiveness of their parents. And Father, if there's a, if there's a child of God here tonight that in all reality, they, they put up a good show, they put up a good front, and some days in front of other Christians here at church, and yet throughout the week, they're fighting you constantly, they're arguing with you, they, they don't listen, they, they try to find loopholes in your word. And Father, I pray you'd convict them tonight. Bring them back, help them to see that there is a life to be lived that comes from the heart. Life of love and devotion to you that from which everything else springs forth. Lord, I pray you'd convict tonight. Lord, if there's some with wrong motives who do what they do as a Christian so they can garner the attention of other people, I pray they'd confess that tonight. Lord, if we've been using our standards and our obedience to your commands as as the tools to, uh, to think it makes us a great Christian, Father, I pray we'd confess that tonight. May we get back to using the right tools. Father, if our heart is not surrendered and submitted to You tonight, convict us of that. May we make it right in this invitation.